Welcome to the Power of Five Podcast with Glenn Blakeney. Join us for revelatory teaching as well as riveting discussions and guest interviews on all things fivefold ministry. Welcome everyone to the Power of Five podcast. Glenn Blakeney here, and today we're going to be talking about Ephesians chapter 4. It's an amazing passage of scripture that is replete with revelation relating to God's purpose for his church and particularly the contribution of the fivefold. My guest is Dr. Michael Gretschko. He is the teaching pillar at Numa Church in Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Mike, so good to have you with us today. Glenn, it's a pleasure to be with you again. And uh, this is a topic that's uh, very dear to my heart. And we practice it at our church. We're still learning, but it's a privilege and a joy to be with you for this teaching session. Well, I could think of no one better to help expound this um, amazing passage of Scripture. And so thank you for uh, your willingness to take time and and help us this way. Um, One of the things, of course, that we need to understand about the Bible is that even though we call it a book, it's a compilation of many books of a variety of literary genres. And Ephesians was a letter that was written to the believers in the city of Ephesus by Paul. And of course, a letter, we wouldn't just read it in the middle or at the end. We would read it all the way through in order to have a complete understanding of the message. So, Dr. Mike, as it pertains to the letter of uh, Ephesians, Paul's letter, what is the overall theme here of chapter four in light of what Paul says in the first three chapters and then the following two chapters? <clears throat> yeah, that's a a really good uh, question, and it's a good way to set it up because the first three chapters are really theology, and the second three chapters of Ephesians are all about how the church is to do church in the midst of their world. And so this particular mm. passage, uh, he talks about how the church is to walk worthy of their calling. And uh, let me let me read through this first 17 verses. Often when we talk about the fivefold, and we're going to focus on that, um, we just take verses 12 and 13, but the whole 17 verses give reason why God gave the fivefold. So he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace, Therefore, uh, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill or literally fulfill all things. And he, Jesus, gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints, that is God's people, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all reach unity 
or we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify to the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. I've chosen to finish this passage at verse 17 because verse 17 also talks about walking. And uh, when Paul talks about walking, and he does several times in his epistles, does it in Galatians as well, where he talks about walking according to the Spirit, verses uh, chapter 5, verse 16 through to 25, he talks, if you walk according to the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh or the desires of the flesh. And then in verse 25, he talks about uh, keeping in step with the Spirit and stepping, walking according to the Spirit's leading is, is part of that metaphor of walking. He's talking about how we live, but he's using right. the word metaphor. Some English translations remove the word, word walk and put in live, which what Paul yeah. is actually meaning, but they miss the metaphor then. And Paul is using the same metaphor here in verse 1, 2, 3, and 4, and then in verse 17. So he talks about how we are to walk, and then at the very end he says, we are not to walk like the Gentiles. So mm. everything in between is how we walk. So okay. the Gentiles, they walked in the futility of their minds. They don't know God. They walk selfishly. They walk according to their own desires, according to their own thinking. We have to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which we've been called. And that looks like humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, and that is contrary to how Gentiles lived, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And so... Paul talks about what unity of the Spirit looks like. Unity of the Spirit is that oneness that we have as church, because even though we are many members, like he talks about in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12, we are many members, but we are one body because of the Spirit. And he talks about the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace by describing the one body, the one Spirit, and he says to which we were called, to the one hope that belongs to our call. So this is all about our call and that unity of our call, how we walk in that unity is described in the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So all of those things are characteristics of our oneness, our unity that we have in the spirit. And all those things, the Lord, the faith, the baptism, the body, the spirit, all of that is foundational for our identity as church in Christ. And then we go on because we often talk about our identity as individuals. Right. Paul talks yeah. about identity as a body mm. unified by the spirit and all these other things that are characteristics of our unity. And having established in those first six verses what our unity looks like, what that oneness looks like, 
what our calling is. He talks about the grace that was given to each one of us. So every single person is given a gift. Okay. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, Paul talks yeah. about gifts. Uh, and in particularly 1 Corinthians 12, it's the Spirit who gives gifts. Here it's Christ who is giving the gifts. But these okay. are spiritual gifts that every single individual is given by virtue of the fact they have the Spirit. So sometimes we think, you know, we, we receive the Spirit and then we receive the baptism of the Spirit and then later on we receive some gifts. It's all the same thing. So there's no concept of us having spiritual gifts separate to the moment we receive the Spirit because the gifts are the manifestations of the Spirit. When the Spirit right, appears, yeah. when He manifests, when He works through us to serve other people, um, mm. they are spiritual gifts in operation. And so every single believer has these according okay. to the measure of Christ's gift. He has distributed to them. And then he talks about when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fulfill all things. Yeah. And so then he gave the fivefold. And the fivefold really are to equip us so we can do the works that God has called us to, the ministry that we're all called to. Now, we can address that in another session, but what we need to understand is the fivefold don't exist simply for themselves or to mm -hmm. be an elitist type of church governmental or church leadership structure. They right. were given to help the church, individuals, and corporately together walk worthy of their calling. And it's not possible for people to walk worthy of their calling without the fivefold equipping them. Now, wow. when I was a young man uh, in Australia, I grew up playing an American sport, the sport of baseball. Uh, Great we sport. have other national. <laughs> <laughs> we have other uh, sports here, football, cricket. Uh, cricket we got from the, our English heritage. But right. baseball is actually quite big here. It's not as popular as America, obviously, and we don't have professional teams. We've had uh, a few uh, champions from our country play in the minor and major leagues in America, but I grew up playing baseball. And uh, I was a pretty average sort of... Uh, athlete, uh, I'm not. I don't have fast switch muscles. I was never really strong. I don't run all that fast. I'm not slow, but I'm not really any of the quick. I'm not like the quickest in our team. I don't have the strongest arm, though. I had a. I developed a strong arm, but I had great coaches. And when mm. I was 12, I had a coach that drilled into us the importance of the fundamentals. Fundamentals of batting. Fundamentals of throwing fundamentals of fielding, fundamentals of running between bases. And right. I practiced and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced. And uh, I, at, uh, as a junior, my batting average was about 600. Okay. So most Australians don't understand that, but Americans would understand that. Now, I batted 600 not because I'm a super athlete, That's but amazing. I had coaches. Yeah. And uh, 600's 
pretty extraordinary, isn't it? To average yeah. 600 over years, even even juniors. All right. In my last national championship, I batted uh, just under 600 in our national championship at our top Australian level. Wow. So I did that <clears throat> because <laughs> – what's that? I said That's very impressive. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said, uh, I'm not, I didn't do that because I'm a super athlete. I did that because I had coaches who taught me well, right. and I practiced, and I practiced, and I practiced. I used, my dad, um, I had a wooden baseball bat, and uh, my dad drilled um, a big hole in the bottom end of it, and he poured lead into it, and I used oh, it as a practice swing bat. Hmm. I would I would swing my bat 600 times per night. Wow. 300 one way and 300 the other way. I learned to switch it. My boyhood idol was Pete Rose, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, he didn't make oh, the Hall of Fame for his own reasons, <laughs> but I got, to meet, I got to meet him and the whole Cincinnati Reds team in nine, 1978 wow. in a preseason game in Orlando, Florida. So... I used, to, I used to practice, so I swing 10 times to the left, 10 times to the right, and I would repeat that until I've swung the bat 600 times. Yeah. So my body developed the ability to swing correctly well, uh, better than I would have without all that practice. And I w mm. wouldn't have practiced that without the coaching. So I, I didn't have fast twitch muscles, so I didn't have the strongest arm in the team, but I learned to grow correctly fundamentally so your arms and your, your arm and your hand and your shoulder they're all pivots so i learned to pivot my arm in a way that i threw the ball really fast i became a relief pitcher I learned to throw a curveball and a slider and all of that uh, because i learned to throw the ball really well i didn't do that naturally because of my sporting ability it's because i had a great coach and i practiced and practiced and practiced and became at, at a number of points, the best uh, in our country. And unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I got saved and my goal was to play <laughs> professional baseball in America. I would have loved to have done that. Who knows if I was good enough. But um, I say all that simply to illustrate that baseball doesn't mean anything in the kingdom of God. It was a great sport, great pastime. I really loved it. Got community. I loved my baseball club. I loved the opportunity to travel to your country, uh, to learn from some of the coaches over there, meet some of the legends over there, like the 78s Cincinnati Reds and Reggie Jackson and, and those guys and the New York Yankees. But in the whole scheme of the kingdom of God, baseball doesn't mean anything. So I learned all these skills, but they have no eternal value. Hmm. But what is of value is coaching. What is of value is equipping. Now, if I, who was an average athlete, could excel with good coaching, how much more can each Christian who was given spiritual gifts and a calling to use those gifts <clears throat> in the body of Christ and in the world to represent Jesus, to build people up, to bless them, to make them stronger, which is what it means to walk worthy of your calling. How much more effective could we be if we had our spiritual coaches, apostles, prophets, right. evangelists, shepherds, and teachers equipping us to use the abilities that God gives us through His Spirit, through the gifts that Christ gives us? Mm. When right. we develop them, then we are able to serve far more effectively. 
when I, before I became a Christian, I didn't really read. I had ADD in high school, yeah. attendance deficit disorder. <laughs> I, I, I missed a lot of school. I wag school. I, th I think you call it truancy or, yes, you right. know, I skipped school because I, right. I, I didn't get the concept of learning. I'd, I'd rather be out playing sport or hanging out with my friends or whatever. But when I became a Christian, I had an insatiable desire to learn the Word of God and to study mm. and to read. But I didn't have good disciplines because I didn't develop those disciplines as a young person. Mm -hmm. So I had people teach me. I had great Bible teachers. I went to Bible college um, and I became a better learner. And when I became a better learner, I became a better studier. And when I became a better studier, I began to understand the scriptures in greater depth. Therefore, I could explain it more effectively to other people. And hmm. So I have had others teach and train me in the areas of learning, not just in the areas of imparting to me information, but they taught me how to become better learners, a better yeah. student. Yeah. So um, important. Yeah. Um, a better, yeah. And so the best teachers, I think, are the best learners. Now, that's mm -hmm. just one example of, you know, so I began teaching Bible studies and a, a, a new Christian's discipleship course which i wrote um after being a christian just a few years but because of the th things that i had learned from great teachers and apostolic leaders i learned to put studies together in a way that explain the scriptures in a very helpful way i've just talked about teaching and my, myself and, and and that's just one person and one gift right everybody has different gifts a variety of gifts uh, we have more than one gift we normally don't have all of them we could possibly because the spirit is a same spirit that enables them all but it generally gives different gifts to different people and that's what the scriptures teach yeah can you imagine <clears throat> if everybody in the church served to the maximum of their ability mm -hmm. yeah when when uh, when the when paul calls our body uh, uh, the church a body and we have a hand and a foot and we all need one another and we all have a role to play. Yeah. In the natural sense, if 80% of my body doesn't work, I would maybe not even live, but I would be called at the very least disabled. Yeah. Many, many research surveys in the Western church, I think your, your country and in my country and Europe perhaps as well, maybe worse in Europe, only about 10 to 20% at the most on average people in the congregation are actually active in serving, using the gifts that God has given them. According yep. to this passage, 80% are not walking worthy of their calling because they're not using the gifts that they've been given. Hmm. So part of our role as leaders is to engage people in serving and help them understand that hmm. if they're not serving, they're not walking worthy of the calling that God has called them to, and they're not stewarding the gift, the grace that Christ has given them or the Spirit wants to manifest through them. And they mm. are like, you know, 80% of my body not functioning. And so we will call that disabled. But can you envisage for a moment 100% of a local congregation, whether it's 100 people, 1,000 people, 10,000, 100% of the congregation actively serving in their local church and evangelizing and ministering out in the world with the gifts well uh, trained well equipped uh that god has given them to that's um 
that's a great vision, isn't it? Yeah, right, absolutely. This is, Paul is, this is what Paul is trying to explain to the Ephesians, to that they walk worthy of their calling and use the gifts that Christ has given them. And the fivefold there in that passage are to equip them. The people themselves grow in their ability to do ministry and their ministry twofold. One, into the church, building up the body of Christ, serving others. And secondly, the ministry of reconciliation, their ministry to the world, reaching the lost okay. and making disciples of them. So we need to think in terms of twofold ministry. Obviously, our ministry to the Lord is worship and prayer, but our service to him as right. well. But our ministry to the church, using our spiritual gifts, and our ministry to the world, reaching them for Jesus. Yeah. And we need the fivefold to be our baseball coaches, mm. to be our football coaches, to equip us uh, yeah. so that we can utilize the gifts that we have in a helpful way, in a skilled way, in a mature way, in a biblical way, in a theologically sound way, in a way that's going to be very potent and effective when we use it inside the church and outside the church. Yeah, that's um, very insightful. And Dr. Mike, you know, if you think about it in the natural, we have a team, obviously, using the analogy of baseball. Yeah, the team, not just a lot of individuals doing whatever they want, throwing a ball, running, between bases i mean a team that works together with one objective and that is to win um and then of course each person has a unique role on the team they have various yeah. gifts that they you know for example if you you know you have a, a pitcher that you want to bring in uh because your your main pitcher is uh tired and you just want him to be a closer and just to clinch things at the mm -hmm. end you know so we all have that in the sense that we have a specific role and contribution to make and uh, it's so important because if the church each person as a member understands our gifts, our calling, and then we begin to function in that in a healthy, holistic way, which we'll talk yeah. more about that in the next session about, you know, the maturation or the equipping of the saints. The Power of Five podcast will be right back after this short break. Hey there, everybody. Glenn Blakeney here. You know, revival is a powerful force that ignites hearts and brings about incredible change. However, sustaining revival requires more than just a temporary spark. It necessitates a fundamental shift in the default settings of our culture. I want to invite you to be part of a new course that we are launching starting early October of this year. It's all about shifting and cultivating kingdom culture. In this course, we dive deep into the essential elements needed to sustain revival by changing the very fabric of our culture. I want to invite you guys to be part of this course. It's only $30. There are six sessions involved. We meet every two weeks. So just head over to awakenations.org, click on the donate button and donate $30 to our ministry and we'll be in touch with you giving you the information on how to start the course. God bless. Now, back to the, the Power, Power of Five, Five podcast. podcast. I love what it says yeah. in verse 16 of Ephesians 4, and this is in the New Living. It says, speaking of Jesus, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. What an yeah. amazing picture. 
as you mentioned, it's a body. Yes. This isn't just about our individual calling or destiny. When we look at 1 Corinthians 12, we often only focus on those verses that talk about the spiritual gifts in verses you know, 7 to 11. Okay. But the rest of the passage, the rest of the chapter, talks about how we belong. Each member belongs. And just because you're different or less visible doesn't mean you don't belong. Mm. But he also talks about in, the, in another section uh, that we all need one another. Mm. Need. So okay. just because I'm the hand and you're the foot doesn't mean I don't need you. Right. And the reality is we need one another because we're connected and we can't function as a body without needing one another. And uh, unfortunately, in our Western modern concept of life, we're very individualistic. And mm. when we read the scriptures, we are reading what it's saying to me alone. And there mm. are very few passages that speak to individuals only. And this particular passage, though each member is given gifts, we use them in the context of community. We use mm. them together. And I need your gifts to grow. You need my gifts to grow. And as you pointed out in that verse 16, when we are all doing our part, it is only then that we can be healthy and grow together in love. So good. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Very, very helpful. Thank you for sharing um, with us, Dr. Mike. And I just want to comment to those who are listening, watching the podcast. Guys, this is a huge shift in the way we've operated, especially in Western nations, where we've been very individualistic on our focus and emphasis. We talk about receiving Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, our personal calling and destiny and so on. But in reality, we cannot function holistically in a way that we grow and, and causes others to grow if we're disconnected. And I've said it many times, we have a lot of body parts, but not everyone's part of the body. And it's time for us to recognize who we are, which part we are in the body. That's very important. But also that we need to be connected to the body and uh, secret the growth of the body because really what jesus is doing and the purpose of giving gifts and the fivefold the giftings they carry is to see the body of christ built up so that we manifest christ to yeah. the people you know in in one another christ in us you know when they see jesus like it says in first corinthians 14 that when someone prophesies using their gift and then an unbeliever yeah. or an uninformed person comes in and the secrets of their heart are laid bare they're going to yeah. fall down and worship and what are they going to say surely yeah. god is in your midst right so yeah. they, there's this representing yeah. Yeah. of jesus uh, again and that's so yes. important well dr mike i look forward to doing um the next session or sessions with you as we continue to unpack Ephesians 4, we want to look at the roles of the um, individual fivefold, how they work together rather than independently, specifically what that looks like when we begin to dive into um, verses 13 through 16 of Ephesians 4. That's going to be powerful. And then we are going to do another session basically a Q&A session where I'm going to ask you some tough questions <laughs> about how does the fivefold actually um, collaborate in the context of the local church? Because I know at Numa Church, where you serve, yeah. 
and uh, I also serve. Then we have uh, a fivefold structure where it's not just individuals operating autonomously as like silos, but working together. I know so many people are intrigued by that and and, uh, wanting to know more. So thank you so much for sharing with us in this session. Look forward to seeing you in the next session. It's my pleasure, Glenn. I look forward to chatting with you again. Bless you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Power of Five podcast. Be sure to visit kingdomcommunity.global to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our awesome bonus content. See you next time on The Power of Five.